today as usual from our covid bunker <laughs> um quarantine especially isolation can be really rough on a person's mental health if you feel you are in crisis you can text the crisis text line at 741741 to be matched with a free volunteer counselor who is supervised by a licensed mental health professional you can visit crisistextline.org for more information yep and this week Hannah is taking a second turn. I am. I'm double dipping. Because uh, my next topic is going to be a lot of fun, but a lot of my primary sources are in Dutch. <laughs> so I've been triple checking information from secondary sources because that's all I can do right now. <laughs> um, so last week we talked about psychedelic women. Yeah. This week I'm sort of putting our theme of women's health on pause to tell the tale of daring deeds. Uh, how much do you know about the history of people going down Niagara Falls? Oh, only that they do it in barrels, and I'm pretty sure some woman did it with her cat. Yes, excellent. Okay. <laughs> So, uh, this week I'm going to tell you the story of Annie Edson Taylor and her trip down Niagara Falls. Oh, I'm very excited. <laughs> so, Annie Edson Taylor was born on October 24th, 1838, in Auburn, New York. Her parents, Merrick and Lucretia Edson, had seven other children, so three girls and four boys. Oh, jeez. Sounds like a lot oh, of kids. Uh, but Merrick Edson was the owner of a flour mill on the Owasco River, Owasco River maybe, I don't know. Um, making enough money to be considered today upper middle class. Okay. So they lived very comfortably. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, Merrick died when Annie was 12, but left behind enough money to keep the family living in the oh. situation that they had been. So money wasn't a concern nice. for the family. For them and their eight children. And their eight children. <laughs> Annie was an average student in school, uh, but was an avid reader. She often preferred playing outside with her brothers rather than doing whatever her sisters wanted to do. Mm -hmm. She went on to study teaching at the Conference Seminary and Collegiate Institute in Charlottesville, Virginia. And at this time, Annie met David Taylor, and the couple were quickly married. Uh, she was 17, and he was a few years older. Okay. It just said a few years older, so I don't think yeah. it was, like, a concerning age gap. And they got married really quickly, which I thought was going to be, like, a shotgun wedding situation, but it doesn't sound like it was. Hmm. They just got married real fast. Yeah. A few years later, the Taylors had an infant son, but he unfortunately died within a few days. Aww. And that's the only child um, Annie ever had. Mm. In 1864, her husband David was mortally wounded in combat during the Civil War, leaving the 24-year-old Annie widowed. Oh, sad. I know. There's no mention of any other romantic interest. Uh, following her husband's death, Annie moved to San Antonio, Texas to live near a friend and work as a school teacher. but she left Texas pretty soon after to move to New York and study dance. Oh. Which, it didn't say that she was involved in dance as a child. 
Interesting. So it, I have no information where she got this passion for dance from, but she yeah. did. After completing dance school, she became an instructor and moved around the country in search of stable employment. And I have a list of all the places she moved to, and she got around. Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Birmingham, Alabama, San Francisco, California, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Illinois, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Syracuse, New York. Dear goodness. (laughs) Despite, uh, so she didn't find work in any of those places. Yeah. So despite failing to find a steady job, she was still able to live pretty comfortably given her family's allowance. And Mm. I have a quote from Annie. I was always well-dressed, a member and regular attendant of the Episcopal Church, and my nearest neighbor had not the least idea where I got my money, how much I had, nor how I used it. My relatives sent me a certain amount every month, but it got to be begrudgingly given, and I made up my mind I would have no more of it. So it sounds like her family eventually was salty about giving her money. Oh, yeah. And eventually settled in Bay City, Michigan, with steadily dwindling funds, um, and there were no job openings for dance uh-huh. teachers there, so she decided to start her own dance school, um, which, power move. Um, so she taught dance, and she also taught charm lessons, what? which I looked it up. You can still kind of find them, but they seem like cringy YouTube videos. I think at oh, the yeah. time it would have been, like, for young women to learn... Yeah, like, like etiquette. Yeah, like, etiquette of. school, okay. like, yeah. Um, posture and how to set a table and what fork to use first. Did you see Bay City? Yeah. I know where that is. That's over by the thumb. It's uh, the it's supposed to be the best fireworks show in Michigan oh, on 4th of July. Interesting. So the dance school turned only a little profit because she was very into high class oh. um, stuff. And so very nice on the inside. It was really quality. If she had scaled back on how much money she put into it, she could have made more. Mm-hmm. But because she went for fancy decorations and everything, yeah, it barely made a profit. Yeah, I guess spend money to make money, but don't spend too much money. <laughs> too much, Annie. So in 1900, she leaves Bay City for Sault Ste. Marie to teach music, which also, I couldn't find any information if she had had musical training before this. Interesting. She must have, because you can't just go like, I'm going to teach music and not have any experience with music. Yeah. Sault Ste. Marie in the 1800s? <laughs> no, it's so cold right, right, up exactly there. Exactly 1900. Who even lives no, there? No, <laughs> nobody. It's like a polar tundra for <laughs> 75% of the year. She made some terrible money moves, to oh, be honest. Rough. Um, and so I don't know when she left Bay City, but she returned in fall of the same year after quickly running out of money, probably because all six people in Sault Ste. Marie in 1900 didn't need music lessons. Yeah, I mean, I guess there had to have been some people living there, because there were people living in Canada, but burr. Right. Um, so she again, after this, she again moves to San Antonio and then later to Mexico City, but returned to Bay City again because she couldn't find work down there. Why Bay City? Like, why keep going back there? I know, because she lived in, like, she lived in all these other places. Yeah. And she's not even from Michigan, so it seems like a weird home base to keep returning to. Also, I'm not from Michigan, but I've never heard of Bay City before this. I only know Bay City because, yeah, it's supposed to be the best fireworks show in Michigan on 4th of July. Like, that's, like, destination if you're gonna go somewhere (laughs) fancy for fireworks. But it's... I'm sure it's probably not. I've never been to Bay City. I didn't spend a lot of time on the east side of the state right. when I lived there, but it I'm sure it's sound prob- like a metropolis. I don't know. Rent was cheap. Uh, yeah, who knows? It was. Uh, this was over a century ago, yeah. so. 
so she's struggling to find work. She's still, I think she's still accepting some money from her family. Otherwise, she had a really high standard of living, I guess yeah. you could call it. Um, and after living most of her life with plenty of money, she really struggled with starting to run out of money. And at this point, she's 62. Oh. Um, and I have another quote from her. For a woman who had had money all her life and been used to refined surroundings and the society of cultured people, it is horrible to be poor. It is at this point that Annie hatched a scheme to make money and gain fame after reading about the popularity of Niagara Falls. Oh. She says, I laid the paper down, sat thinking, when the thought came to me like a flash of light, go over Niagara Falls in a barrel. No one had ever accomplished this feat. So she did as many of us would and decided to throw herself over Niagara Falls inside a barrel. <laughs> Which, oh. why a barrel? <laughs> I don't know. Was she like... the first one to do this? Yeah, she's the first person to do it in a barrel. Which okay. I'll touch on um, later on previous attempts. Okay. Um, it just seems like such a strange, like she doesn't have, like there were daredevils at the, or stunt people at the yeah. time. She's in her 60s. Right. Which, I don't want to, like, be ageist. You can be a daredevil at any age. It just seems yeah. very odd to all of a sudden, like, you're a school teacher and you teach dance, you move around, and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to go over this huge waterfall in a barrel. Right. Yeah, that seems like an odd <laughs> move. Did like, where did this idea Listen, from? we've all thought about get-rich-quick schemes. <laughs> but I would not consider putting my body into a barrel and hurling it anywhere. No. <laughs> So, the barrel in question was custom-made out of oak and iron by the Cole Brewery, and I do not have any, like, dimensions on it big enough to fit a woman. I, um, there's pictures I can show you in a minute, um, okay. but it's, like, a, it's a big barrel. Um, and then the inside was padded with, some places say a mattress, but I've also heard cushions, so she <laughs> basically had pillows in there with her. Oh. And there's lots of talk of her heart-shaped pillow, um, which I saw in a couple of sources, I'm, for some reason, picturing one of the, uh, like, cushy pillows that's full of beads that were really popular when you were in <laughs> yeah. middle school that are, like, the nylon. That yeah, like... the squishy pillows. Yes. <laughs> Just push, pull that over your head before you get in the barrel and it'll, it'll do you good. Yes. <laughs> so she also contacted Frank M. Russell, whose nickname was Tussie. Why? <laughs> I don't know. How does one get the nickname Tussie? Tussie. Uh, he was a carnival promoter from the area. Oh. So she hires him to be her manager and promote what she was going to do because she the whole point was, like, I want to make money off of this thing. Right. So that's just, that is a smart move. Mm -hmm. um, so Tessie spread the event to papers and Annie's barrel was put on display in the window of Smith & Purser's store in downtown Bay City. And Tessie also promoted the event at Niagara Falls for two days before the scheduled um, event date. And mm -hmm. at the time, it would have been a lot of, like, a tourist attraction. Um, so the barrel was first tested empty, so they sent it down without anything in it. Uh-huh. And then they sent it down again. And this is kind of where the cat thing... But they actually sent... Just they put a cat in it after the empty test, which is horrible. Oh, no. <laughs> no, why? This, so with the cat, the cat made it out very unhappy, but alive after its 17-minute journey. So the cat oh. was okay. Thank goodness. I'm imagining it was, like, a Stella cat. So we have three <laughs> cats. One of our cats, I'm pretty sure, has no bones. Just uh, jello. Just jello. Just fluff and jello on the inside, because she's very noodly. <laughs> I think it was a Stella cat. Yeah. Unharmed very by anything. Cat. But it made it out okay. 
On October 24th, 1901, which was Annie's 63rd birthday, she and her barrel were taken by rowboat to the falls. Uh, Her manager, Tussie, (laughs) had gathered a small crowd of river workers and reporters upstream of the falls, and another crowd awaited at the bottom of the falls to watch Annie careen over the edge. And I have a photo of her getting in the, the boat. So she's in a full hat and stylish dress. It's a big hat. Why? I imagine there would be hat pins in that thing to hold it on. Yeah. I feel like if this was, like, I'd be in, like, a swimsuit. Oh, right, yeah, if, like, an old-timey swimsuit. Yeah. I guess she was, like, gotta look good for the cameras. Cracks me up that she's all dolled up. Yeah, I guess 60-some-year-old lady in (laughs) swimsuit. She probably, at the time, probably would be like, no. Yeah. (laughs) There should be, if I can. So you can see, that's how big her barrel was. Oh. So it's a pretty, it's a big barrel. Yeah. Um, there's a picture of her next to it. It's long. It doesn't look yeah, very wide. Yeah, it's not wide. very wide, but it's a it's a tall, skinny barrel. I guess I imagined in, like, a crouching position, yeah. but I feel like you'd have to be pretty upright. Yeah. So, Tessie had gathered people at the top, and then a crowd of onlookers were at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Most people watching thought she was going to die, and uh, she was in an interview with this reporter, and the reporter asked her if she was contemplating suicide, because it would be, like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. She said, not by any means. I'm too good an Episcopalian to do such a thing as that. I believe in a supreme ruler and fully realize what self-destruction would mean in the hereafter. So she's very devout and does believe that suicide would keep her from heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went on to say in the same interview, I entertain the utmost confidence that I shall succeed in going over the falls without any harm resulting to me. The barrel is good and strong and the inside will be cushioned so that the rolling movement will do me no harm. Besides, I shall have straps to hold fast to. There will be a weight on one end of the barrel so that air can be admitted through a valve in the upper end where my head will be located. So I think she's sitting in it and the weight is at her feet. Gotcha. And so she said that she's not suicidal, but there were also other accounts where she'd said in more private situations that she was, she'd been struggling with depression Mm -hmm. and was kind of like, I don't care. So she's in a rough spot, and this is quite the attempt at self-care. Yeah. So Tessie had also been threatened by Canadian and American authorities with manslaughter charges should Annie um, not survive the trip. Oof. So time came, she and her barrel rode out into the water. Um, She climbed in, the lid was sealed, and a bicycle pump was used to compress air in the barrel. The hole was plugged with a cork, and away she went. So they just pop a cork in that... (laughs) Call it good. Currents carried Annie over the Canadian Horseshoe Falls, and down she went. And with that, we are going to take a quick break. And we're back. So, uh, we left off with Annie going over the falls, and I'm going to take a brief detour into some of the history of Niagara Falls. So, Annie was not the first person to brave the falls. In October of 1829, a man named Sam Patch, whose nickname was the Yankee Leaper, survived jumping down the falls at a lower height than Annie, so it doesn't count. Okay. Um, so it was still the Horseshoe Falls, but he fell from significantly lower. And he just, like, jumped? He just jumped, dove down. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in 1867, a woman named Maria Spelterina 
became the only woman to cross the falls via tightrope. So she didn't go down it, but she did walk across it on a tightrope. And there's a ton of people who have done that. Yeah. If you're in a barrel, you know your exact chances of survival. (laughs) Yeah, true. You might slip. Like, there's a lot literally up in the air. Up in the air, right. And especially if you're over a waterfall, like, there's mist hitting that tightrope. Yeah, it might be slip. So, uh, she became the... She crossed the falls by a tightrope. I think she was the first woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the 23-year-old Italian woman crossed wearing baskets instead of shoes and a paper bag over her head. And I guess this was to make it more daring, but that's a ridiculous image. I don't... I'm imagining her feet inside picnic baskets. Yeah, I think it was like w- woven baskets. So, some information about Niagara Falls itself. Yeah. Niagara Falls State Park is the oldest state park in the U.S. It was established in 1885 as the Niagara Reservation. A man named Frederick Law Olmsted helped design the park, and he's also um, the main designer. Mm-hmm. We'll go with designer. Um, f- for Central Park in oh. New York City. Neat. During the last Ice Age, so around 1.7 million years ago, the Niagara Frontier region was covered with thick glaciers. 12,000 years ago, Niagara Falls extended, the Niagara River extended seven miles into what is now Lewiston, New York, and Queenston, Ontario. Erosion, as much as six feet per year, brought it to its present site. Oh. Uh, The first non-indigenous person to describe the falls was Father Louis Hennepin, a French priest on an expedition in 1678. And this is from NiagaraFallsStatePark.com, and they say he was the first person to see and describe the falls, but I'm calling BS on that one because there were 100% indigenous First Nations people living in the area. In 1885, a horse-drawn carriage ride around the falls cost a dollar an hour, so that would have been roughly $20. So, like, kind of fleecing the tourists since its founding. In 1896, Nikola Tesla proved he could transmit electricity from Niagara Falls to Buffalo, New York, which marked the first time electric power was transmitted long distance. Oh. 3,160 tons of water flow over Niagara Falls every second. A waterfall's 32 feet per second, hitting the base with 2,509 tons of force at Horseshoe Falls, which is where Annie took her plunge. And the falls as a whole produces over 4 million kilowatts of electricity. So that is enough to power about 40 million standard light bulbs. Wow. <laughs> so just for the kind of scope that she is throwing herself into. This is an yeah. insane feat. Uh, so back to Annie. So she goes over the falls in her barrel, mm-hmm. which is, just to reiterate, 2,509 tons of force. So it wouldn't have all been hitting her at once, but... Yeah. Overall, still an insane amount of water hitting this barrel. The barrel was hidden from view by the heavy mists at the base of the falls, and onlookers thought she'd just disappeared. Rescuers soon found it in one piece. The actual trip down took about 18 minutes, but it took a really long time getting the barrel open. So they got her, and they popped that top, and Mm -hmm. she was discovered alive, but a little worse for wear. And it said that some of the first words she said out of the barrel were, nobody ought ever to do that again. (laughs) Uh, I have a picture of her coming out of her barrel. She doesn't look... Her hat's gone. Her hat is gone. Uh, She doesn't look great. No. (laughs) I think she probably was concussed. Yeah, I imagine. 
she had, so she of course had been rattled around inside the barrel because all she really had was straps and a cushion. Yeah. And she had hit her head multiple times. Because it's like a wood, you know, you ride a wooden roller coaster and you kind of get beat up. That's why you need the cushy pillow. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, She suffered a gash on her head and had many smaller cuts and bruises. So I don't think the photo shows her bleeding, but account said that she was, like, bleeding from the head, mm-hmm. which is also why I suspect she had some sort of injury. Yeah. Like, just from hitting her head. Or it's her hat pins. Don't go over Niagara Falls with a hat on. Of her trip, Annie said, If it was with my dying breath, I would caution anyone against attempting the feat. I would sooner walk up to the mouth of a cannon, knowing it was going to blow me to pieces, than make another trip over the fall. I don't think she liked it. I don't think the daredevil life is for her. No. I mean, she's also in her 60s. Oh my god, yeah. So there were a number of attempts after to master the falls after Annie mm-hmm. completed her trip. Copycat daredevils went over the falls between 1901 and 1995, only 10 of whom survived. And they're not so much copycats as other people just trying to do it. Yeah. Not a ton of people have done barrels probably inspired by her since she was the first person. Yeah. Um, Charles Stevens attempted to ride in a barrel like Annie did. His barrel weighed 600 pounds, but was ripped apart by the force of the water, and only his right arm was recovered. Oh! So they never found the rest of him. Just an arm. Yeah. In 1928, Jean Lucier went over the falls in a six-foot rubber ball. So, like, a big rubber hamster ball. What? Um, he did survive, and he sold pieces of the ball to make money. This whole situation <laughs> sounds <Awful>. nightmarish. <laughs> yeah. In 1930, a man named George Stathakis went over in a ten-foot, one-ton barrel which is a huge barrel. That's like a boat. Yeah. So he may survived the falls, they think, but was trapped behind it for 14 hours. Oh. And he died from asphyxiation. And he had brought his pet turtle, Sunny Boy, in the barrel with him. Yeah. But Sunny Boy made it out alive. Sunny Boy <gasps> was fine. Oh. <laughs> There's a I'm glad the turtle survived. Yeah. So in 1951, a man named Red Hill Jr. traveled down the falls in a raft he called The Thing. This one was made out of 13 inner tubes tied together with rope and a fishing net, which right off the bat sounds like a terrible idea. Sounds like something that, like, chillbilly kids... (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, like, children in summer in the backyard would rig up. Yeah, I'm imagining there... I grew up... My dad lives in the country, in the country enough where, like, that's something that I could see being rigged up and there's a <laughs> creek right down the road right, that I could definitely like, see, like... a homemade hamster ball. Yeah. But not taking it over any kind of waterfall. No! Don't do that! So, it's made out of 13 inner tubes. The inner tubes started popping almost immediately and his body wasn't found until the next day. And I think... I read somewhere that he was super bruised and, like, almost unrecognizable... Because yeah, all the inner tubes pop, and then you're just a body falling with all that yeah. energy hitting you. That's gotta be terrifying, because as soon as they start popping, you, you know like, you're gonna die. Right. And there's nothing you can do. Right, which, oh, so much of this is, don't do that. Yeah. Um, in 1989, two men survived a tandem barrel ride, which, there is not a great survival rate for barrel trips thus far. Uh, their names were Peter de Bernard D. 
Bernardi and Jeffrey Petkovich, and they sat in a barrel face-to-face in seating positions. God. And they made it out with only minor injuries, but it is a hilarious image, like, knee-to-knee with a person, and you would definitely pee yourself among... Oh. Like, at least. Like, you better be real close with this friend. Yeah. No kidding. They're going to see you at your most vulnerable. (laughs) Um, in... 1990, a man named Jesse Jesse Sharp died after attempting the plunge in a kayak. Um, In a kayak? Yeah, and he had hoped to boost his um, stuntman career, so he didn't wear a helmet or a life jacket. In a a kayak. kayak. I don't know why you would think that would work. You've got nothing protecting your head or your spine. There's no way he thought he was going to survive that. Right. And then in 1995, another man died. His name was Robert Overcracker. He died using a jet ski. <laughs> so he... <laughs> that is, if that's not the most white trash <laughs> thing I've ever heard. On your ski, dude. That's another one where I'm like, either he had an actual death wish or a lot of alcohol was involved. Yeah. But what kind of hillbillery... <laughs> I've met people who I could picture doing <laughs> such thing. In 1995, the, so the same year, a couple goes over in another barrel. So Stephen Trotter and Lori Martin became the first uh, man and woman to survive the falls in a barrel. Oh. I don't have details for what their barrel looked like. Yeah. But they made it. Um, and today it is very illegal to swim the falls or... I don't think you can get in the water. I can't near believe that people were doing this up to 1995. Right. Well, and I think at the end they would get fines, and then in '95 they really like cracked down on it and were like, "Yeah, <laughs> do not do this because should you survive, you'll probably go to prison." Right. Um. Yeah. Don't do that because if you do it, you're probably gonna die. Like there is, in like a over a hundred years. Less, there's a very, very small survival rate of, because it's a ridiculous thing to do. Do not do this. Um, so it's very illegal. Survivors face charges and fines on both the Canadian and American sides. So no matter what side you pop up on, yeah, you're in some some trouble. And I think it's if you are in Canada, they'll also charge you in America. Oh, so yeah. you can't just like cross the border and be like, hey, hey. yeah. So with that, we are going to take another quick break. And we're back. So Annie made some money speaking about her experiences for a short time, but never really found the financial boon she had hoped for. Mm. So, you know, the whole reason she did this was to make a bunch of money. Yeah. It didn't end up like that at all. Right. Um, and I don't know if that's poor managing. Probably poor managing. Because Tussie? Tussie. Because good old Tussie stole her barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I just took her barrel. And she lost a bunch of money in fees towards private detectives trying to find it because that was a big part of going on display for tourists and making money. So eventually the barrel was found in Chicago, but then disappeared after. So she, like, sinks all this money into private detectives to get her barrel back from Tussie and then doesn't even end up getting her barrel back. No! 
Um, she did, she wrote a memoir and went back to Niagara to sell it. So basically like hawking it to tourists. Yeah. She also spent some time working at a souvenir stand, so posing for photos and like signing autographs with tourists. Mm -hmm. And she worked that stand for the last 20 years of her life, making very little money. So it's kind of a really sad end to this person who did do something pretty cool. Yeah. Stupid, but cool. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that sucks. Annie Edson Taylor died on April 29th in 1921 at age 82 at the Niagara County Infirmary in Lockport, New York. And she's actually buried in Stunter's Rest, which is a section of the Oakwood Cemetery in Niagara Falls, where they bury daredevils. Oh. Um, and she's buried next to fellow daredevil Carlisle D. Graham, who I think was at her plunge. He was oh. at the base. Mm-hmm. And today, Annie has been depicted throughout pop culture. Several children's books have been written about Annie, um, which seems like a weird message to tell kids. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do this. I mean, do be daring as a young woman. Um, her depiction appears in the IMAX movie Niagara Miracles, Myths, and Magic, which I feel like I saw as a kid because I definitely went to the Milwaukee Public Museum with my mom and there was an old-timey lady getting into a barrel with a cat. And I remember it because she gets in and the cat's black. And then at the bottom, when they get her out, the cat she like lifts the cat out and the cat is all white. Yeah. But I definitely remember seeing that. I don't know if this is the same one, but I feel like I saw it in an IMAX theater. That's funny. <laughs> she also gained Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fame in the episode Return of the Technodrome, when the turtle blimp glider is about to go down Niagara Falls, and the turtle Raphael says they should have gone down in a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> so Annie's legacy lives on. Oh. oh. And that is the story of Annie Edson Taylor. Wow. It was a quick one, but it was a, a wild ride, yes, if it you was. will. Very fun. Kind of sad. Yeah, it, the ending is not as... It's a sad story, you yeah. know? Yeah. But fairly badass. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Um, yeah. We gotta do our end segment. Yes, we do. I'm very excited. Uh, which we have decided to call this segment... Absurd, how do we... Absurdities Against Women. Absurdities Against Women, because after reading Cosmo last week, we decided <laughs> that we should open it up to also women being dicks to women. Yes, because that does happen. So, I have uh, two options for you, and the other one I will oh. save. So, these are both from the website Inspiring Tips, okay. uh, and the little sub thing underneath says, your free resource for love, life, happiness and personal development and it's got a happy woman riding a bicycle um (laughs) so you have two article options the first one is 12 ways to make your husband happy oh the second one is 16 ways to make your wife happy oh interesting both of these written by the same man oh do we have time to do both i feel like we would Let's start with the making your wife happy. Okay. Is the number one allowing her to be a strong, independent woman? I don't believe it is. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, So, the key to a happy and lasting marriage is to maintain joy and happiness in your relationship. (laughs) Oh, the key to a happy marriage is to be happy in your marriage. Yep. Oh. (laughs) Uh, No matter what challenges are thrown into your lives as husband and wife, you have to keep the flame of joy and laughter in your marriage. Uh, okay. No sadness. Um, 
So now it says, then it says, it's okay to experience sadness and crying times. Sadness and <laughs> crying times. That's what Kenta, when I have a hard week, it's just, I'm having the crying times. <laughs> crying times. <laughs> uh, marital problems are not unusual anyway. However, make sure at the end of the day, you and your wife still sleep together wearing a beautiful smile. <laughs> oh, that's a horrifying metal image. This couple, I'm picturing, like, matching silk jammies mm-hmm. of the button-up variety, and they're just in bed, like, he just big old smiles. Just through their sleep. He, like, Joker smiles. Just... We will be joyful, damn it. <laughs> uh, so the introduction wraps up with, If you truly love your wife, you will not do anything that can hurt her and make her cry. Instead, you will do your best to cheer her up every single day. So, uh, the first way to wanna, to make your wife happy, the first of the ways, is make yourself a happy person. <laughs> the first step to making your wife happy is to produce happiness within yourself. You cannot make your wife happy if you cannot even make yourself happy. Thus, learn how to be a jolly person. <laughs> like Santa Claus. Like Santa. Is there more for number one? Yeah, there oh, is. Okay. It says, be a more positive and proactive person. Overcome the things of the past that make you a sad person. <laughs> like your past mistakes. Such as your past mistakes. Oh god, this last sentence. <laughs> so ominous. Infect your wife with happiness and positivity, (laughs) not with sadness and negativity. Infect her with it. Um, step two is prepare her breakfast. (laughs) What? (laughs) So you gotta love, you gotta have some Mm self-love first. And you gotta cook her some pancakes every morning. If she so much as touches a piece of toast on her own... (laughs) You're doing it wrong. If she puts the bread in the toaster. Oh my god, it's over. It's over. Whole, whole File papers now. Uh, so it says, preparing someone breakfast requires sacrifice to wake up early in the cold morning. <laughs> what? If you rise early and prepare a healthy and delicious breakfast for your wife, she will surely feel blessed and happy. If you don't know how to cook, then start learning how. (laughs) The internet is full of recipes and video tutorials. Oh, is it now? (laughs) Step three is give her a happy environment. That's the same as number one. I believe so, yes. Uh, Always be mindful of your wife's environment. This sounds like you're keeping her, like, in (laughs) a cage. Sounds like the newt care sheet that I created. (laughs) You're keeping her in a terrarium. Um... Is it getting boring or gloomy? Why not play cool and oh yeah, why not play cool and happy songs to brighten up her day? <laughs> uh, is your house or room messy and dirty? Why not clean it up and make it cozy? Do the people around her make her sad and stressed? Why not bring her to a beach or any place Kill that will those help people. her? Re- <laughs> Murder her friends. And then those are the things that you have to forget. You have to leave those behind in your past so that you can be happy. Yep. Those are the mistakes that you have to leave <laughs> behind are when you killed her friends because they made her sad and stressed. The, the, yeah, just, Kill her boss. <laughs> I don't... Wild. Uh, number four is tell her how beautiful she is. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, we will not marry our own what? Wait, what? They're all marrying the same woman. 
We will not marry our own wife if we were not struck by their charm and beauty. Yeah. That sentence is not grammatically correct. Yo, what is happening with this writing? Um, always remind your wife how beautiful she is. Always remind her how perfect that part of her body that attracts you most. Oh. Oh, you're losing me. I really want it to just be a really obscure, like, honey. Your elbows. Your elbows. Are so smooth. elbows. <laughs> <laughs> or, like... The back of your neck. The nape of your neck. This man kills her boss and then vocally compliments the nape of her neck. Oh. And then grins in his sleep. This is a scary man. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of this man. Well, now if now I know how to keep my wife happy. Yeah. Do we um, want to continue, or do you want to go to how to keep your husband happy? Oh, there's more on there's this? There's so much more. How, how, many, how many numbers are there? There are 16. Ooh, what are we at now? Uh, that was number four. Oh, God. We can skip some of these, because some of them are like, don't lie to her, be loyal to her, trust her. Like Incredible. All right, sure. Uh, number eight is give her all your money, which I'd like <laughs> to touch on. Surrendering all your hard-earned income and money makes your wife happy for many reasons. <laughs> Surrender? <laughs> uh, I also, this seems to imply that only the husband can work. Yeah, hang on a minute. Or she works and she's amassed like a dragon's layer of gold pieces and jewels. Yeah. Give me your money, husband. All of your money. And Surrender breakfast. your hard-earned income. And breakfast food. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Maybe the wife is the cult leader. Oh, maybe. Uh, one reason is that it shows that you trust her. Another reason is that it gives her the assurance that you are only spending money, or only spending your money on her and your children, not on other women and other things beyond her knowledge. So basically, you are only allowed to spend your money on your wife and your children, or you might be spending it on other, other chicks. Women. Your wife will sense it, and she will automatically know that you spent money not on her, and assume that you have 16 <laughs> mistresses. Yeah, and then you'll be the one making her unhappy, and you know what we do with people who make your wife unhappy. <laughs> you will then have to uh, remove yourself from the situation. <laughs> Grandparental um, catch 22, because then who's going to keep your wife happy <laughs> and cook her breakfast? Yikes. Number nine is learn how to love and take care of yourself, which I'm pretty sure is just number That's one. That's just number one. All over again. Uh, Half of these are just recycled. Number ten is forgive her. Just forgive her for everything. Anything she ever does. <laughs> I forgive you. Did she, did she murder your children and sleep the, with your brother? The dragon is faultless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, number 11 is be humble and admit your own mistakes, which I can get on board with. Yeah. Um, make her feel valued and appreciated. Sounds nice. Respect her. Oh, oh yeah, I get behind that one. Be responsible. <laughs> My high school motto is, like, be responsible, be respectful, be safe, be on time. <laughs> it just, it sounded like I was gonna list all of them, and I was like, I remember the PBIS program. <laughs> Uh, too funny. Uh, number 15 is love your parents-in-law. Mm, okay. Uh, automatically. Love them. Love them. Embrace them. <laughs> so, this one reads, your wife won't be happy if you have conflicts with her parents and siblings. <laughs> so, constantly be fighting her parents. 
<laughs> That's weird, dude. <laughs> Uh, hence, do your best not to only win the heart of your wife, but also win the hearts of her family. <laughs> you must... Seduce her parents. You must <laughs> seduce her mother. <laughs> and her father. And her father. And any siblings she may have. <laughs> uh, but you can't look at any of the female members. No. Only male. <laughs> you can only look at your wife. Seduce, sleep with her dad. <laughs> it shows depth of character. And the number 16 is just love her through thick and thin. There's a final thoughts, but I really don't think we oh, need to... Oh, it's long. I don't... We don't need the final thoughts. Oh, uh, what is this man's name? Uh, Victorino? Oh. <laughs> That's uh, a fake name. <laughs> he goes by Vic, and he is the founder of InspiringTips.com. Uh, so yeah, same, same spiel. How do you make your husband happy? Feel blessed or lucky to have you as his wife? Because that's really all we want out of life is just to oh, please our men. God, I saw, I'm looking ahead and I don't like where this is going. Yeah. So the first one is be abundant with happiness, which, uh. It's just like the same as the first one yeah. from the other one. The first sentence of the description is be a blissful wife. Oh, barf. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Because it doesn't make great podcasting if I dry heave <laughs> on the recording. <laughs> It goes on to say, he will not be happy if you are always depressed, irritated, and frustrated oh, in life. Wait, that's not as nice as the as the one for the men were. Like, no. don't be depressed. Stop that. Says, uh, get rid of the things that make your heart sad, such as anger, discontentment, and bitterness. Every, once a day, we have to empty all of the anger. Drain the anger tank. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call it when I have to go to the bathroom every day. Draining the anger tank. Uh, number two is let him bleed. Oh, I saw that one, and that was the first one where I gagged, and I also saw number three. Yeah, number three is rough, too. Let him lead. Let your husband take the stirring wheel of your marriage. Oh. Wait, what? But the other one was, like, cater to your wife's every whim, like, beck and call. Yeah, but this one says that we should let him lead. How's he supposed to lead and also bring me my my riches to put in my cavern and guard from Bilbo Baggins? We are are the dragon, (laughs) but there's also, we have, like, a saddle and harness. (laughs) And And Shrek. Shrek. Yeah. (laughs) We can't leave the castle. Uh... You have to make sure that while your husband lead, leads your marriage, God is always the center of it. <laughs> Never let your away. <laughs> Never let your husband lead your marriage and family in wickedness and destroy all of your happiness. So number three is stop nagging. Well, what else am I supposed to do when he steers us into wickedness? If you think nagging will help your husband become a better person and make your marriage grow, you are thinking it wrong. That's how it's phrased. You are thinking it wrong. I'm thinking a lot of things wrong. Uh, (laughs) A nagging wife is every husband's nightmare. (laughs) They wake up in a cold sweat. If if you want your husband to do or change something, stop telling him constantly and forcing him to do it. Your nagging will only make him feel like a hopeless person. (laughs) Uh, It will only make him worse and your efforts will be wasted. If If you want your husband to change, make him happy instead of irritating him. Make him... Oh. 
Make him happy by giving him hope. Trust him and let him do his own way. Let him do his own way. Just continue working on yourself in silence to be a better partner for your husband. <laughs> oh, no work. Oh, oh, no. Number four is respect him, which I'm sure is super yeah. sexist, but I'm going to uh, be loyal and faithful. Uh-huh. Sure. Be kind to your husband. All right. Yep. Also forgive him. Listen, so you're both constantly, you get stuck in a loop of, <laughs> honey, honey I, I forgive you. I, I forgive I you as well. I forgive you. I forgive you too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number eight is don't let pride come into your heart. Actually, I think you read that wrong. It says don't let pride comes into your heart. <laughs> it does, in fact. <laughs> It says, uh, do not create walls that will block your husband from communicating with you when you are mad at him. When Kenton and I fight, I construct an eight-foot solid brick wall between the two of us. The wall, the walls you build will only make both of you suffer and experience misery. It is suffering because it's a lot of brick to haul. It And then subsequently dismantle. Yeah. (laughs) And some hard physical labor. (laughs) Good workout, though. Yeah. Uh, there's also be a responsible wife. Fulfill your marital duties. Surrender your body to him. Oh. Oh, Ruffo. I didn't read this one when I was... Oh, no. Um, don't do that. Number ten is be a responsible mother, which there was nothing about being a responsible father. Yeah, wait, what? The word father, it said to spend money on your kids, and apparently that's where fatherhood ends. Yeah. For Vic. Uh, we are also supposed to love our parents-in-law. Um. It depends on how much gold they offer me. Right. (laughs) And then the last one is just love yourself. Um, but yeah, the female one was rough. Yeah, that one was far worse than the men. I'm glad we started with the men, because I think I would have just been angry if we started with this one. Um, so the lesson that we learned here is women are angry, powerful dragons. Uh... Yeah, but that's all That's all we got for you. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Feminerdos Podcast and on Twitter at FemPodcast. Yeah. And um, visit our website, feminerdospodc.wixsite.com slash my site, and that's W-I-X, Wix. Uh, I'm going to put um, sources and some photos up uh, later when this episode drops. Yeah. And send us messages on our contact form. Yeah. Just say hi. Yeah. I don't care what you do. Mostly because I want to know our contact form works. Yeah. (laughs) Somebody send us a message, pretty please. Yeah. Um, that's all we got for you. Yeah. You will hear us next time. Yeah. Oh. (laughs) (laughs)